0: Cutting through an overload of information to get to the heart of the story. This is the
1: point. wer zusammenarbeitet multipliziert. The German proverb goes, when we work alone, we add. When we work together, we multiply. As we stand in uncertain times, wars energy shortages, economic slowdowns, and a deepening of geopolitical discord, can China and European countries work together? We have both rich cultures. We're each other's major trading partners. We have no fundamental clash of interests. Imagine we each have 10. Can we make 100 instead of 20? If so, how? Welcome to a special edition of The Point with me, Liu Xin, coming to you from Frankfurt, Germany. I'm extremely pleased to be joined by a panel of brave and open-minded thinkers and doers. They are Dr. Daniela Turk, a former president of Slovenia. Welcome. Mr. Michael Schumann, Chairman of the Board of the German Federal Association for Economic Development and Foreign Trade, or BWA. He's also Chairman of China Bridge, a non-partisan organization to promote bilateral ties. Mr. Rudolf Scharpin, former German Defence Minister, welcome. Ms. Suzanne Baumann, former Director of Confucius Institute of uh, Dusseldorf, uh, also a former executive with uh, ZTE Communications here in Germany. and last Last but not least, uh, Dr. Zhong Hong, former senior vice president of Ivonik Industries, who has been coming to Germany in the 1980s. The warmest welcome to all of you to the point. First, we're going to start with a, a round of opening statement, each three minutes, please. And my question really is, as we speak of the 10th anniversary of the Belt and Road Initiative, which is a huge event in China, not so much in Germany, but a huge event in China, what can be the abbreviation PRC mean for Europe? I know for some people, that means partner, rival, and competitor. But can we also make it into partner, reinventor, and coordinator? <laughs> Mr. Turk, first.
2: Yes, Um, in Europe and in China and globally, we all have to learn that competition and cooperation can be combined, can go together. Because the purpose of competition, ideally, is to do your own best, to to do the best you can, and to exact, to obtain from the partner, to do the best on the partner's side. That's how we can get cooperation. So I think that competition and cooperation are not uh, mutually exclusive. Actually, they complement each other. And in Europe, I think that's important because Europe, obviously, is based on market economies and competition is an important concept. But it has to be put in a larger cooperative framework and has to be done in a way which avoids the overemphasizing of such things as systemic rivalry. I mean, I think that if you start talking about rivalry, that leads you in the wrong direction, that leads you into looking for something that disqualifies your partner, and that's not good. I mean, one has to start with the premise that each of the partners in cooperation also wants to compete, obviously, but we have to figure out how to translate that competition into something that brings higher value for both. Again, this may sound abstract, but we live in an interdependent world. And I think nobody can benefit from a world which would be moving from the kind of uh, fragmentation that we are seeing today into competitiveness of a systemic nature and eventually to high degrees of tension and wars. I mean, we see these tendencies already, and I think this has to be stopped. Conceptually, there are ideas around the world, there are ideas out there which can help. And I think Belt and Road Initiative can and does help because it gives a practical meaning to what it means to work for a shared future in a cooperative spirit, and with accepting, obviously, a degree or the right amount of competition.
1: Okay. Mr. Schumann, you have been very facilitative of our um, activity, of our... Um, the business exchanges between German companies in China and Chinese companies here. Why are you so optimistic? Because you were in my studio in Beijing after you toured China for six weeks and you were very, very happy having seen what you saw, what German businesses were thinking in China. Tell us more about that.
0: Well, because I have been traveling to China also for a long time now, accompanying business setting up in China and Chinese business to come to Germany. And uh, when you see the development with your own eyes, when you see the positive energy, and when you also see how entrepreneurs nowadays are ambassadors of China competence in Europe, you feel that the discourse that we have in the media is not representative of the development that is actually taking place. It is a very valuable approach to redefine concepts, to depoliticize concepts. As you may know, the concept of partner, competitor and systemic rival originally came out of German business and industry. But it had no political significance at that time. It was meant as partnership in terms of economic cooperation, economic competition, and systemic rivalry in that sense that we had a different system in terms of subsidizing industries, free market economy, and China would differ from that. So it was nothing pertaining to political systems at that time and the rivalry between autocracies or democracy or whatever. It became politicized later on. And uh, if you look at other concepts like Belt and Road or Global Gateway or what we have now like the partnership for global infrastructure and investment we need to depoliticize those concepts and move from a paradigm of confrontation to cooperation
1: we'll hear more about that of course uh, Mr. Sharpin, from your perspective uh, more in defense more in the military what is PRC to you well,
3: first of all, let me tell you that uh, in Germany, a defense minister always is and must be a civilian. And uh, I uh, served as a defense minister, yes, but I also served as, as you would say, a governor of a province or president of European Social Democrats. So there's a quite, quite a lot of experiences from different angles. Uh, having said this, I would say I have two eyes, I have two ears. Uh, So I cannot handle these uh, three things uh, like competition, cooperation and systemic rivalry. Uh, I would replace it.
1: uh, uh, With what?
3: (laughs) For this I would say, uh, first, we all have a lot of global challenges to master. That is climate change, that is weapons of mass destruction, that is peace, uh, that is uh, good uh, conditions for living or for ordinary people and so on and so on. So a lot of things to do in this overpopulated world. We also have a lot of uh, things to do at home. If I consider employment, especially youth unemployment, for example in China, if I consider the situation of the social security systems, uh, the development of infrastructure and so on, and all these circumstances and preconditions for a good life for each individual. If we focus on both and cooperate on both, then there is no space for any kind of conflict. Ideally. Ideally, yes, but if you are not guided by a vision, you cannot master the daily life in politics. So from this angle, I would say let's focus on the global challenges we have to master commonly. Let's focus on the domestic task we have to master in the interest of the people and nation. If we do so, then uh, in this understanding, to come back to your question, uh, Belt and Road Initiative is one important contribution for the development of underdeveloped economies and societies. And please, we are always talking about economy. We also should not forget There are students, 44,000 Chinese students in Germany, ambassadors for your country as well as knowledge transfer from Europe and Germany to China. So it's a little bit more comprehensive and all the big numbers of trade and economy and so on have to be broken down to the individuals and is that helping them to live a better life in a more stable and peaceful world.
1: I believe I recall you said that in the interview as well, which is also featured in the Global Thinkers. We'll come more to that, which I think is a very important uh, um, aspect of our relationship and to which our next speaker, Ms. Bauman or Susana, is particularly a fitting speaker of, because we're talking about student exchange, uh, societal connections. What does working for the dissemination of chinese language and culture what has that meant to you and to the people of dusseldorf to the companies there to the people there who are either working
4: for chinese companies there or who are interested about learning about china that's uh, a very important point you mentioning um that we need to have Uh, more expertise on China in Germany and this is uh, true. We are delivering this expertise at the Confucius Institutes as well as at the universities. For the time being, we have 19 Confucius Institutes in Germany. Most of them are cooperation projects between uh, a Chinese and a German university. Unfortunately, some of these corporations have ended uh, during uh, the last years. But in Germany, the universities, they have uh, university autonomy. And some of the universities also renegotiated with the Confucius Institutes and uh, did not terminate uh, the corporations. So in the end, we have two kinds of Confucius Institutes. Some are acting uh, independently. Uh, the same is true for Düsseldorf. Uh, we can work in the corporation, but we can also work without that, delivering expertise on China as well, um, which is very important with regard to 600 uh, and more uh, enterprises, Chinese enterprises in the region. So, uh, so far, no Confucius Institutes have been closed. There are stable relationships uh, at the local areas and there's reason to hope that this stable relation remains. It
1: sounds like a very low expectation.
4: <laughs> I hope we, we can aim a, li-
1: a little bit more higher, but let, we'll get back to that. Um, Dr. Hong, you have been working to um, bridge China and Germany over the past decades. What is your take of uh, the current relationship, what China means for Germany, for European economies?
5: I think this and uh, um, Road Initiative it's a great uh, project of the program. It's the China and other countries, cooperation, work together, in their, um, especially in infrastructural areas. And I, ju- I had just read an uh, interview in one German management magazine to this topic. Uh, the interview partner is Catherine Kalming, is a research uh, woman and the Institute of in Kiel for the economic studies. And she has very positive to this Belt and Road Initiative pro- program. And the question is, what is the impact to the Germany or to Europe? Mm. And the answer is, this program, this project, has a big impact to Europe and Germany because through these activities, In Asia, in Africa, in Latin America, and the Chinese influence is growing. In her eyes, it's a big challenge for European and Germany. I'm a German citizen, but made in China. I always say. (laughs) and I certainly hope we can peaceful coexistence, like you said, and cooperation with, uh, with each other. But at the moment. We have faced a big challenge because uh, I think that the, uh, in, the, in a society we have uh, three groups. They have impact. This is the politician, this is the businessman, and this is the median. And at the moment, media played a very important uh, role. In German media or the German journalists they are always critical, both internal affairs, also foreign affairs. That's fair. The problem is, about the internal affair, we can, with our eyes, see the other sides of the fact. But for the foreign affairs, a of people are not able to get the both sides for uh, the truth or, or the story, the whole story. I think that's have to improve.
1: Very, very important. And sometimes I feel a little bit helpless because it feels like there is a wall that we cannot... Penetrate. For instance, our programme. For our programme to reach the audience here in Germany, it's very difficult. The other way around, maybe also difficult under certain, uh, certain circumstances. But uh, I want to pose this question: How do you measure the temperature of the water really between China and Europe, or between China and Slovenia, for instance, Mr. Turk, in your capacity, where the temperature is? Because I'm getting different impressions. Some people are saying China is a challenge, but other people are saying China is an opportunity. So, Mr. Tuk, what is the temperature of the water for you, and what may be the reasons behind that?
2: I think that the temperature in general could be better. However, there is a difference between those actors in Europe who have practical experience and who work in China or who communicate with China regularly and others. And I think those who have their own personal sp- particular experience, uh, they enjoy this, uh, I should say, pleasant temperature. They are more on the on the side of the pleasant temperature. Those who are less in- experienced in that regard seem to have a little more reserved attitude kind of lowers temperature somewhat. Uh, So the answer to this problem clearly is more cooperation and of course the more people learn about each other, the more people cooperate, uh, the better it is and the temperature becomes more pleasant. I wouldn't say we want to have it as high as possible. We want to have a pleasant temperature and that is a problem which I think we have to deal with uh, both on the side of the West and China. We have different ways of thinking. I think that in the West, we are very much focused on a particular problem. When there is a particular problem, we focus on this and try to deal with it. In China, and I think in many Asian cultures, the whole thinking is much more contextual. It's it's larger, it's broader concepts. And I think that that explains also the origins of these concepts of win-win cooperation.
1: Do you have an example? Okay.
2: And then, you know, in, in Europe, people, you know, they would have a very vague idea about shared future. That has to be made more specific and I think those who cooperate with China, they have a very specific idea about what shared future means. While those who do not have that kind of experience, they would probably say, well, you know, this is too general to be Mm -hmm. practically important, and let us not believe it. So we have work to do in that regard as well. Education is the key. Education has to solve much of this. Media are very important, and interpersonal communication. For that reason, I believe that COVID-19 was a serious problem because the level of interpersonal communication has gone down. We have to improve that. And I think once we have more communication, more dialogue, I think we can overcome this difference of way of thinking more easily.
1: Mr. Sharpin, you want to chip in there? In
3: addition to what Danilo Turk said, uh, we should avoid the risk of uh, some kind of amnesia. We forget a lot of things uh, which are out of our actual uh, views. For example, the last 15 years. In the last 15 years, I spent one third of my time in China. I started in uh, the times of the financial crisis uh, created or generated in the United States. One should not forget, in those 15 years since then, China generated more than 30% of global growth. That helped us a lot. It helped China, it helped us. So there is a common interest, and what I would say is, please understand the long term. Do not be too much disturbed or irritated by the short term. Don't look on the headlines, look on the substance. It is very much important also for Chinese to understand that the media and political cycles are following different rules than the economic or cultural cycles in a society like ours mm. that means the long term is in the end the decisive view not the short term
1: um but is there a risk that uh, if you don't manage well the short-term relationship that you may have problems in the long term for the business sector for instance michael right now the picture is very good Right. Uh, for the first half of this year, we have the second highest number of German investment in China ever. That is, uh, I think, some piece of information that a lot of people are not aware of. Uh, how can we manage that relationship well so that the political politicization can be resisted a little bit?
0: Some say German business uh, have an interesting way of de-risking from China by investing more. Right? <laughs>
1: That means yeah. you're visionaries, probably. <laughs> Look at the French, I'm sorry. They didn't invest in China as much right now. They are having yeah. some questions for thought. Well,
0: well, I, w- I would say there, there are different temperatures, different temperatures depending at, at, at what aspect you're looking at. Certainly, as uh, Rudolf Shopping pointed out, public perception and the media criticism of China here creates insecurity. And uh, this insecurity, of course, also affects business, affects ordinary people.
1: In what ways when Um, you say ordinary
0: Negatively, because trust is being lost and you don't hear the other side of the story. Major problem is that much of that reporting is not based on facts.
1: Can you give an example?
0: Take the Belt and Road Initiative, for example, and the way it has been portrayed and it is being portrayed in the media also during these days of the Belt and Road Forum. So most media coverage doesn't have the facts. And um, I I think that media has a responsibility towards society, and they should paint an accurate picture. If you talk to think tanks, if you talk to economic research institutes, if you look at the recent report that was published by the uh, Global uh, Development Policy Center of Boston University, mind you, not Beijing University, You know, the figures speak for themselves. Belt and Road has been a blessing to the world. It has been a huge success. It mobilized additional funds in overseas developing finance. It complemented existing programs, whereas World Bank was always focused on public administration and lending for education. Belt and Road complemented it with a focus on infrastructure. Mm. You don't hear about it here because people honestly don't know. And uh, the media doesn't give an accurate picture. I think that's a big challenge.
1: I don't want to give more time to blame the media here. Um, let's try to let's try to find out what can Belt and Road do for the ordinary people here in Germany? Because, for instance, we have the Eurasian Corridor, and China is talking about lifting or making it a multi-dimensional Silk Road, meaning not just the railway road, but land and sea and air Silk Road. We already have the flight linking China's Zhenzhou with uh, uh, Luxembourg. We have the train from China to Duisburg. I don't know how many of you know that. It's radiating to other German cities, reaching hundreds of cities here in Europe. Um, How how much more can ordinary people who are sitting in the audience benefit from such initiative? Should they know about that, Ms. Bellman?
4: Well, um, I'm active in this area, uh, close to the city of Duisburg, where we also have a Confucius Institute. Um, The city of Duisburg... I mean, Germany... in overall is not um, uh, participating officially in the Belt and Road Initiative, but it's benefiting from it. As you have just described, they are running 60 trains per week from Chongqing to Duisburg. They handle 300,000 containers. Um, And this is remarkable, and this is also, um, yeah, the, the people of Duisburg, they are benefiting very concretely uh, from this uh, Belt and Road Initiative in in this uh, respect. Um, There are Chinese companies, a lot of them, um, who are working in in the logistics sector, um, who are are, uh, operating uh, in Duisburg, and this creates jobs. And Chinese companies work within the framework of the Belt and Road Initiative. So um, I think there's a very concrete benefit Uh, of the Belt and Road Initiative for the German people and also for the society. Um, Apart from that, I mean, you mentioned uh, partnership, competition, rivalry. This is uh, what the government says. Um, It has the charming aspect that everybody can pick what he likes. And, you know, partnership and rivalry is contradictory in itself. Uh, But if we pick partnership, uh, for instance, at the universities, we can f- see that there is a lot of cooperation going on. We have 1,400 uh, 1, cooperation partnerships within the universities across different disciplines. Um, and uh, the German Ministry of Education is funding a, um, has a funding scheme for um, posts that are newly installed to rise uh, expertise on China at every university. So this is a cross-cutting task through all disciplines, not only in the um, Sinology area. So we are rising awareness, we are rising expertise at the universities to enable these partnerships Continue.
1: If you look at the student number, 50,000 student, Chinese students here in Germany, how many of German students in China? Do people want to take a guess? 2,000?
4: From Germany?
1: From Germany? Yes. In China?
4: If you, with regard, to, uh, with regard to um, the population, the, uh, okay. you know, Okay, um, you make, you not make not me feel better. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: You make me feel better, but still, yeah. yeah after this trip, I'll be happy. I'll not, i would not be so depressed.
3: As a ratio to the population, that's quite similar, because uh, China is 17 times more population than than the Germans. But, however, uh, uh, Belt and Road is it's something which, was specific importance if it comes to economic development, if it comes to deeper understanding of each other to better exchange and with regard to Germany and and, and China I would say it reduces delivery times it reduces costs, it intensifies uh, contacts it creates jobs uh, and helps uh, to to make better products uh, and by the way also to intensify some other things. What I want to say is also China would be very well advised if I may say so to not politicize too much an economic and infrastructure instrument. And on the other hand, be a little bit more self-confident because if the European Union is copying somehow uh, by global gateway what China started 10 years ago with Belt and Road, uh, then obviously we are in a competition on how to lift underdeveloped economies uh, to a higher level of... uh, uh, life. Why not? That's a good competition.
1: So it's a flattery. When others are copying you, that's a flattery.
3: <laughs> not necessarily. Not necessarily. Sometimes it could be, yes.
1: Sometimes. Yeah, um, Mr. Turk.
2: I wanted to talk about the bridge. You know, last year, a bridge was opened uh, in the territory of Croatia, between an island or a peninsula and the mainland. And that was an interesting example of cooperation because the bridge was built on the Croatian territory. The designer of the bridge was from Slovenia. It was largely financed by European Union, mostly financed by European Union, and the construction, the engineering, and the actual works that was done by China. And China has a very positive image in that regard, because everybody was saying, look, the Chinese, construction is the most advanced in the world today. There was a time when Europe was in the lead in that regard. There was a time when the United States was in the lead, but now China is in the lead, and that's very good, because when you have a big construction project, you consider cooperating with China. And in that particular case, it went very well and gave another layer of positive image that exists. And I think one has to build on specific examples, which, as you said, help the people. But, of course, one has to do much more in every dimension. Last week I had a visit from a friend of mine, a teacher, professor at the Renmin University in Beijing. And when he came to Ljubljana, he said, I was surprised, he said, that I see so many Chinese tourists because there are very few European tourists in China nowadays. So we have a need for a better balance in that regard also. And then we talked about the need to expand cooperation between universities and so forth. So what I'm saying is there are many niches, there are many areas where much more direct communication is possible. That is the way to depoliticize the debate, to give these media stories a proper context and not get excited unnecessarily by, uh, by media interpretations. People have to know, people have to experience, people have to feel cooperation.
1: Absolutely. I, yeah, The feel word is very, very important. Yes, Michael, Yeah, if you want to.
0: Yeah, I would like to come back and agree with what uh, Rudolf Scharping said. What I said at the outset, that I think it's imminent and urgent that we depoliticize these concepts again. Because but
1: let me let me raise this. Sorry for interrupting, but China doesn't want to politicise this. You know, we want people to understand it's about economics. Well, that's that's about says what trade. I'm what, what I'm,
0: I'm <laughs> what I'm saying. I think, yeah, to, to a large extent, that responsibility lies with the West, but but not solely. But at the outset, when Belt and Road started in 2013, I know that we were very alerted to it from the beginning. Maybe like the Chinese. World was alerted to industry 5.0 coming out of Germany. And we perceived it as an inclusive, as an inclusive concept which was open to everyone. It was not about dismantling some world order, now how it's cast today. it was about addressing challenges of a new order that could not wait. So it had a lot of strategic foresight. And the invitation was open, it was integrative. There were two times German ministers of economy attending, 2017 Brigitte Tsipras, 2019 Peter Altmaier. But the German approach, the European approach, was always conditional. It said it was something maybe we can sign up to it on condition that this or that changes. I think in hindsight this was a mistake because you could just join and then work inside to change it. And if you look at Belt and Road now, I mean it started as a freehand brush and uh, became a fine hand brush, more calibrated. Now it's changed again from high volume to high impact, cleaner, greener, and we're seeing this upgrading or Belt and Road 2.0, however you want to call it. So I think it was a mistake and this politicization certainly is a mistake. And even now, we have concepts like Global Gateway or the Partnership for Global Infrastructure, they could be complementary and they should not be seen through this geopolitical competitive lens. I think that's the wrong aspect.
1: That's what China emphasizes all the time, and uh, as we mentioned earlier, there was this huge meeting that's happening in China, where over half of the world's leaders were in China for what to talk about the Belt and Road. So, as we move into the second decade, China proposed eight new actions, and mind you, these eight actions will impact the world profoundly, I believe. Dr Hong, what is your take? How can Germany chip in the opportunity here without compromising its principles?
5: I agree with Michael and there are different temperatures in the different areas. Uh, I have been working many, many years for a German company. And in our company, in Evonik uh, as example, uh, the China business has contributed at least 25% of our revenue, at least. And uh, I know as a company, um, more higher. Yeah. So in the, in the economy uh, area, the temperature is different. Uh, the businessmen know if we want to grow in our business, the only way is cooperation, cooperation and cooperation. But I come to you, sorry, your original question. The problem we today face is another issue. I read the, the, the uh, China uh, strategy uh, of the German government uh, and uh, these two key words: uh, uh, partners. the economic people or the, uh, or the business people would say we are partners more than others. And politicians may be in the middle you would say we are partners plus competitors. Competitors could be positive, could be negative, could be neutral, it's not the big big issues. The big issue is the opinion leader, the median, sorry I've come back to median, because today the focus of German median is revival. And that's the problem.
1: Uh, yeah. Rivalry, uh, rivalry. Yeah. so that's the focus of the German media. Yeah. Well, um, let's give them some time <laughs> and uh, do our work well, do our job well. I, I don't think we have enough time to go into more details. Have we touched the most important issues we want to talk about? <laughs> Is there any bit elephant in the room that we have missed so far, Mr. talk very briefly?
2: And I think we have talked about politics in a fairly critical way. But we have to understand, politics is life, is part of life. And we have to address political issues as well. And politicians have a huge responsibility today to figure out solutions, to figure out the way forward. I will not hesitate to mention the problem of the Middle East, which is now so, so, so serious, so big, so, so traumatic. You know, China has offered a peace plan in May this year. Four points, two-state solution at the center. In
1: nobody, June, yeah, yeah specifically.
2: In yeah. June there was this uh, meeting it, with the Palestinian Authority yeah. and so forth. But nobody is mentioning this as an alternative to what we are seeing now. This is the job for politicians to figure out what are the positive elements in an otherwise disturbing picture and see whether we can build on that. And I think that China has offered several very promising conceptual frameworks. Of course, China has to be careful and has to be measured in its Mm -hmm. approach, and we have to appreciate that. But politicians have to notice these positive offerings and try to build on them. And that's a job for the politicians.
1: Yeah, maybe also a job for the people who understand the difference between cultures. As Mr. Tok mentioned already twice, China is more of the conceptual, the philosophy, you know, the big ideas such as a, a, a community of shared future for humankind, you know, the global security initiative, the global development initiative, you know, sounds, it's a, it's a mouthful, it can be a mouthful. Why do China emphasize these big concepts as a foundation for finding specific solutions to problems. Susanna, you you, you want to help people understand a bit? Yes,
4: I mean, um, if we go back to to the principles of Confucianism, (laughs) there is one very essential term and that's humanity. So humanity means that people need to take care of each other. There's also... And need to take into consideration what your neighbor is doing, what your son, your father. On the other hand, there's another philosophical concept of Tianxia. Tianxia meaning that we all have the same destiny, that we are all living on the same planet, so to speak. So I feel that from Chinese philosophy, there is this notion of being thinking globally uh, from the, right from the start.
1: Um, we don't have that much time Dr. Hong your final statement if you have
5: any would you like to share with you some key word I think that uh, China and Germany will have uh, uh, lots of differences yeah. but we have more common understanding common interest uh, common benefits uh, both sides want to uh, peaceful uh, coexistence we want to develop our relations and uh, this is a Ba- basic uh, for further for, for development uh, the, uh, relations between both sides is there.
1: Michael, you have something to say before we wrap up? Very briefly.
0: Very briefly, without mentioning the media. Um, yes, uh, politicians are focused on solutions. And I would recommend to not overestimate day-to-day politics like For example, the German-China strategy that had a lot to do with domestic politics here. But to look at what is actually going on behind the scenes. So the German governmental consultations have been constructive. There is a lot of diplomacy, there are a lot of meetings, a lot of formats right now going on that are constructive as well. So be optimistic and don't lose hope.
1: Yes, absolutely. Um, One sentence maybe, Mr. Tug, do you still have one sentence?
2: one word really, yes. and that is learning. I think we have to learn about things and we have to learn about each other because that will give us a future. Learning is critical and all the communication should be devoted to that.
1: Mr. Sharpen, one word or one sentence?
3: Be realistic in the sense of being optimistic without illusions.
1: Okay, we'll think about that. <laughs> thank you, thank you very much. One thing in common, though, I, I believe between the Chinese and German, uh, we all look for solutions. We identify a problem, and we find a solution. I'm very optimistic, especially after this trip to Frankfurt. Thank you so much. Thank you, Mr. Daniela Turk, Michael Schumann, Mr. Rudolf Scharpin, Susanna Bauman, and Dr. Hong Zhong for your wonderful insights. And... And many thanks to our audience members for having followed this special edition of The Point with me coming to you from Frankfurt, Germany. As usual, you can follow me on Facebook and Twitter using the handle Lushin in Beijing. You've got The Point.